You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Greetings and welcome in. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, recording from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida, the great sunshine state. This is episode 173, and I'm going to be talking about egalitarianism, or the the concept of being egalitarian. Um, Egalitarianism is the idea that genders are completely equal in every way. Um, This episode makes sense. If you've been tracking with me the last two episodes, I covered the topic of complementarianism. In episode 171, I really unpacked what I think is the biblical uh, perspective that we ought to have on gender roles and the idea that men and women are created in equal value and what they, what each gender has to offer, uh, you know, humanity as a whole is of equal value. But men and women are not equal in every way, meaning we are not precisely the same. The genders are created unique and distinct from each other. Are created with unique designs and unique roles. God has unique expectations upon men and women. They are not the same. He has different expectations for men as he does for women, and he holds them accountable in different ways. But God does expect both genders to come together, to be unified, to work together in a homogenous fashion. And as we work together, we complement one another perfectly to, to demonstrate the glory of God and to give the world a better picture of the uh, both the unity and the diversity of the members of the Trinity. The full picture of the Godhead, the attributes of God, I believe are shown best in complementarianism. But there's no doubt Uh, some controversy around the topic of complementarianism. And so I wanted to kind of really tackle the idea of egalitarianism here in this episode. There is a large segment of Christianity, of uh, American Western Christians that are egalitarian. In fact, uh, I think today we've probably reached the point where most evangelicals in North America would would, uh, identify with a more of an egalitarian approach uh, than a complementarian approach. In episode 172, the previous episode, I got a chance to interview author Courtney Rysick about complementarianism. Really kind of, she gave a biblical perspective as well as a female perspective on complementarianism and why she believes that is the ideal design and how we can take delight in that. She also really talks about how uh, kind of contemporary feminism has really kind of creeped in and there's a lot of Christians that don't even realize it. it's it's not intentional it's kind of by accident but but they've really been influenced by feminism in a lot of ways and so uh, she really really kind of addresses that highly encourage you go back and listen to those two episodes if you haven't got a chance to do that episode 171 and 172. Let me just kind of unpack then for a moment egalitarianism. Egalitarianism is really the kind of the general idea of perfect equality across the board, that that there's never any unique difference in in any two people based upon their gender, but that the only time we would assign different roles is based on individual talents and abilities, not necessarily upon genders. And I mentioned this in, in episode 171, but you know, within complementarianism, we would say that God has certain expectations on men and certain expectations upon women. And sometimes those expectations have an overlap 
And even from person to person, there are some differences and some variances. But generally speaking, women have a certain expectation upon them from God within marriage and within church leadership. And men have a particular set of expectations put upon them from God within marriage and within church leadership. The egalitarian would say that there's no such thing of, of expectations upon women or expectations upon men. There is just expectations upon the Christian and that it's completely equal across the board. Egalitarianism, uh, really gener- generically speaking, is the idea that people, no matter what their race, gender, religion, theology, whatever, that every person is completely equal in value and completely equal in expectations. Egalitarianism is also also a term used in politics as well, not just in theology, um, that again refers to the idea that both men and women are equally capable of holding political office. And, and in large in part, I would say I am an egalitarian when it comes to po- politics. I don't think that there are specific things within the world of politics that men or women you know, can't do, or there's something that men can do that women can't, or the women, something that women can do that men can't. Like, I think in general, uh, most areas of our society, the theology of complementarianism doesn't necessarily come into play. The, the two specific areas where complementarianism really comes into play is, is in marriage and in church leadership. So in a lot of regards, there are elements of complementarianism uh, or excuse me, of egalitarianism that are appropriate, or there are spaces and arenas where egalitarianism is perfectly appropriate. But within Christianity, with within um, within our approach to marriage and church leadership, um, egalitarianism, in my opinion, is not the most biblical perspective within Christianity. Within th- theology, egalitarianism is the is the position that both men and women are equal in the ecclesiological authority, that both men and women can do anything within the church with no regards to gender. Um, and some people even take it a step further saying that that there is no different roles on men and women, but it's all case by case. So that, you know, in some marriages, the men will be the prim- the man will be the primary leader. In other marriages, the woman will be the primary leader. In other marriages, it'll be completely 50-50 and completely collaborative, right? There are some people that would say that it doesn't matter men and male or female. It just matters on individual personalities and skill sets of the people involved in that particular scenario, right? The man and wife in that marriage, they determine who is the leader amongst them or how they they make decisions. Um, individual churches have the right to make decisions on who can serve in leadership and who doesn't and who has influence and who doesn't and that gender should not play a role. Like, again, that's the egalitarian perspective that uh, that it should not be based upon gender at any time, but only be based upon individual personalities, individual giftings, skill sets, talents, and individual circumstances where the individual people in play make the determination as to what they believe um, is appropriate. So basically, in essence, egalitarianism um, is the place where men and women are completely equal in every way and we should never make any distinction. And egalitarians in general, when it comes within the to church structure, they make they make the, the clear statement that both men and women can hold the office of pastor and elder and that men and women, there should be no restrictions on either gender when it comes to exercising leadership within the church. Uh, the, the primary place where egalitarians go to kind of, to kind of get their idea, uh, to justify this idea, is in Galatians chapter 3, when when the apostle Paul um, talks about 
equality amongst men and women. Uh, people will often quote in saying, you know, that, that there is no Jew and no Greek. There is no slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. You know, if we are all in Christ. And, and in the context, it is clear that Paul is making the point that we are all of equal value, right? That, that the Jewish person and the Greek person both have the ability to come to Christ with no obstacles. Both have the ability to or both have the access uh, to put their faith in Christ if the Holy Spirit is wooing them. Um, that, that in Christ, in the church, whether you are a slave or you're a free man is irrelevant because all of us have access to the cross and the atoning work of Christ applies to all people equally um, you know, when, when, whenever we come to faith in Christ. And that whether you are a male or a female, it means nothing when, it, when in terms of coming to faith, and having your sins forgiven. Paul is making it very clear that when we come to Christ, there is not one person that has more value than the other or one person that is more deserving than the other. We are all one. And, and the Greek word for one there in Galatians 3 really refers to the sense of unity, that in the body of Christ, all together, we are one. Now, is Paul precisely saying that we are one person, that when you come to faith in Christ, you are literally one, that we all become one? No, no. We, we still keep our own personalities. We keep our own distinctions, right? We, we don't become another person. Right? We don't be, all get morphed into one personality. No, we are all unique and distinct with our own giftings and, and natural talents and things of that nature, our own personal stories. However, we are one in terms of in terms of being united. So this passage does not, with all due respect to my egalitarian friends, point to any sort of egalitarianism. It speaks to the unity of many, even though we are all distinct and unique from one another. If anything, when you really examine this passage, it actually does the opposite. It actually shows that all of us, although we are different, we can be all united in one mind in Christ. And all of us uh, have the same amount of value to bring to the tables. There's not one person more valuable than the other. I, I don't think this passage uh, promotes uh, complementarianism, neither does it promote egalitarianism. However, if it's going to promote one or the other, it's not egalitarianism, it's the opposite. In addition to that, there are actually several well-known egalitarian theologians, theologians that actually support the egalitarian perspective that say this passage is not a passage that points to egalitarianism. And I will I will put links to that in the show notes for this episode. Now, I've never had a conversation with one of those theologians. I've just read some of their stuff. But my initial question would always be, well, if this passage doesn't point to egalitarianism, then what does? Um, because it's typically the only passage that most egalitarians go to. And this this passage does not speak to an egalitarian mindset that, that just because we are all of equal value doesn't undo our distinction or unity, It show, or excuse me, our distinction or uniqueness. It just shows that we can be united in spite of our uniqueness which is a beautiful thing. When we look at the scripture, we do see some very clear passages that point to the difference differences between men and women and, and the expectations upon men and women. When we look in 1 Corinthians, we see Paul addressing men and we see Paul addressing women and he addresses them differently and uniquely and he calls upon them with different things. He's saying to men, I want you to do this. For women, I want you to do this. In Ephesians, we see the same thing. Paul calling upon men with specific expectations and calling upon women with specific expectations. And he is not looking at their individual skill sets or personalities. He is not looking 
at, you know, their individual isolated circumstances or, or, or the marriages they find themselves in. Paul is making it clear. If you are a man, here are some of the expectations upon you. If you are a woman, here are some of the expectations upon you. He does this again in 1 Timothy. He does this again in 2 Timothy. I mean, we, we see this over and over again through multiple epistles in the New Testament. A clear expectation upon men, which is different than upon women. One is not greater than the other. One is not more valuable than the other, but there is a clear expectation upon the genders. We also see similar expectations in the Old Testament. What the men were expected to do is different than what the women were expected to do. And in the New Testament, whenever Paul is making these, uh, you know, these references, in multiple cases, he ties this back to creation. See, there are a lot of egalitarians that will say, well, yes, men took charge, men were leaders, but that was because of the fall after sin. And Christ came to reverse the curse of sin and to set things back to the way they were before sin. And, you know, we those of you who keep trying to keep men as leaders and women under them are, are basically reinforcing the product of the fall. And Jesus is trying to undo that. Well, that would make sense if if the reason why you know the order of, of male leadership was put in scripture because of sin, but it's not. Every time in the New Testament, whenever Paul is alluding to complementarianism or, or the idea that may, men should be leading, he ties it back to creation, the way God created things before the fall. Like Paul's making the point that, that the reason why men should be leading and there are certain expectations upon men that are unique and different is because they were created first and then women were created secondly and therefore there's a different set of expectations upon those women, that, on women that is different than the expectation put upon men because they were created secondly. Like This is the natural order of things that God did for the ultimate purpose of bringing the gender together in a perfect united way to complement one another. Egalitarianism says that all peoples are equal, and I think it robs us of the opportunity to uh, to bring genders together that are so unique and distinct from one another, but yet can come together and complement one another perfectly. In that complementing, I think we put on display attributes of God that we otherwise would not. And I believe that egalitarianism actually robs the church of the opportunity to display those elements of God to the world. Now, I've got a lot of friends that are egalitarian, so I want to say that clearly. I love a lot of my egalitarian brethren. I have deep respect and admiration for for many of them. I don't believe that they are lesser Christians than me. I don't believe that they are more valuable than me. I'm simply saying that I I have a fundamental difference of opinion and theology uh, based on what I see in Scripture. And I always feel obligated to be faithful to the Scripture no matter what trends are happening, no matter what the norm is, no matter what changes are happening within our culture, whether it be the church subculture or our American culture as a whole, no matter what's going on, I feel obligated and burdened to be faithful to the text. And that is why I believe complementarianism is the most biblical view. I believe that is the view that is most, that is most consistent and most faithful to the scriptures. I've tried to present my my case and my thoughts here in the most diplomatic way possible. I'm trying to be sensitive because I know this can, uh, you know, th- this topic can be very sensitive and controversial in, in a lot of ways. And my hope is that I've presented this in, in a way that, you know, that is biblical and faithful to the text without being attacking. Um, if you have a question about anything I've said herein, you want me to elaborate upon, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to shoot me an email. Or if you just don't like what I have to say and you disagree, I'd also love to hear from you. I'd love to start a dialogue with you. Feel free to email me. 
The address is Hey Ortiz at TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.